Oh, for the love of... Cookie, cookie, come here and bring some paper towels with you. I just spilled coffee all over the mason files. Cookie's my secretary, receptionist, and all-around gal Friday. This office wouldn't run without her. It's my office. I mean, just me. Calling her Cookie isn't one of those male chauvinistic things. Her real name is Jenny, and her last name is, well, judging by the spelling, unpronounceable. I know this much. It's Scandinavian with a dose of Danish ancestry thrown in for good measure. When she interviewed for the job, she introduced herself as Cookie. In childhood, she was never without a cookie in her hand, and so a nickname was born. Thanks, Angel, I added. That's one of those male chauvinistic things. She doesn't mind and thinks it's kind of cute. If a feminist heard me say that, she'd pounce all over me and berate Cookie for tolerating it. But she marches to her own drummer and lives life without a care. She says life's too short to worry about the small things. She's right. So is the feminist. Don't worry about these notes. I have all of them in the computer. I'll just print out a new set for you, Mr. K. You're a doll, kid. After that, run across the street and get us both a sandwich, would you? I'm getting a bit hungry, I ask, feeling a rumble in my stomach. Take some money from the petty cash box. Sure, Mr. K. She's a cute kid. Well, hardly a kid. She's in her mid-twenties. She wouldn't tell me her exact age because she was too old. Her words, not mine. Ah, uh, if I were only twenty years younger. Oh, well, I'm not. And I won't ever be. I was wrapping up some final notes on a case I did for Mortimer Mason. He hired me because he thought Mrs. Mason was cheating on him. I followed her all around Baytown, getting her hair done, getting her nails done, getting her pedicure. This kind of work is not exactly the reason I got into the private detective racket. I'll get to that later. Given the types of cases I get these days... I don't know why I stay in this racket at all. I like watching old detective movies. Back then, it seemed like the detective knew his place in the world. They lived by a code and made it all look easy. That's what I wanted. Some people around town say I remind them of a 1940s detective. As far as I'm concerned, some people expel too much carbon dioxide. Mrs. Mason wasn't seeing another man at all. She was running a small-time betting ring for the ladies that frequented all those salons. She collected the bets, and when the Knicks didn't beat the point spread like they were supposed to, do they ever beat the point spread like they're supposed to? Mrs. Mason owed a lot of money she couldn't cover. That's when she went off the grid for a while. Mr. Mason leapt to the conclusion that she took up with their pool boy or gardener. I found her in a motel, alone, with a dark wig and big sunglasses, like the old-time movie stars used to wear. The boyfriend of one of her customers had ties to a certain family of, well, let's just call it questionable legality. He was mad she didn't pay off like she was supposed to, and madder that she was elbowing in on his turf. 
I brought her back to her husband, who covered all the bets under the condition that she give up the gaming business. Old Morty, bald as a cue ball, was one of Baytown's more affluent residents, and while the loss barely scratched the surface of his empire, he was still none too happy with her. He ran two of the three local bus companies that ran north-south through the city. His buses were old, and they shook like you were holding on to a jackhammer. They were just about as noisy, too. He was always looking for an opening into getting that third route through town, but never did get it. He did pretty well for himself, though. The success of his bus routes was due to their connection to major train stations, as well as politicians. And politicians connected to federal and state transportation funds, which allowed him to get into more than just buses. 